Welcome back to Killer Fun. I'm Christy. I'm Jackie. And we're so glad you're back here with us today. We watched Ferris Bueller's Stay Off. While we were watching it, Ferris hacks into the computer at school to change the number of attendance days that he has missed, his number of absences. Right. Yes. And so that kind of made Jackie think about the 1995 film Hackers. One of my favorite films. She likes very much. And then later in that same episode, we were talking about pranks that kids did. And one of the pranks that we talked about was a kid who accidentally set off sprinklers and cost his parents a whole lot of money. And then they used the, if you didn't want kids to do this, you should have stopped them from doing it defense, which is <laughs> terrible defense. And she said, if you've seen hackers, you would know, you would find that really funny. And yeah. I was like, maybe we should just watch hackers. <laughs> and so we and did. So, and so we did. Now you can rent this on iTunes or Amazon video. It is available if you would like to watch this. I will put a caveat out there. It has 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, people are not going to generally rate this film high. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think that you watch it because you rate this film high. You watch it for other reasons. True. I think there are different reasons to watch that, a lot of which we will get into. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's so 90s. Yeah, yeah, it's so 1995. Yep. It is to the max. The clothes, the eye makeup, the music, the way the computers looked, even the star-studded cast, most of whom were not stars when this movie was made. No, this was a breakout film. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. So, there was Angelina Jolie as Kate, whom... Needs no introduction. If you don't know what she's been in, then I don't know why you're listening to this podcast because you're obviously not involved in entertainment in much of any way. (laughs) So then we have uh, Johnny Lee Miller, who was Dade, the main character. Did you know that he was married to Angelina Jolie for four years? I did not. Yes. So they met on this movie and were married for four years. They're so cute. Yeah, it was really cute. They were a cute little, like, fighting couple in this sort of couple in this. They had a lot of tension. Yeah. There was a lot of... Love and hate. Yes, exactly. So, Johnny Lee Miller, you might know him from Elementary, that television show. He plays Sherlock Holmes in Elementary. That's, like, his big thing. He was in a number of episodes of Dexter and some other stuff. Matthew Lillard was Serial. I loved that name. Serial Killer. Serial Killer. And they called him that because he's Fruit Loops. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was hilarious because he was a little, a little unusual. He was, but he 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 is the type of character I was so drawn to in high school. uh Like these people who are just so... So like out there just and very comfortable in his own skin. I loved that about his character is that he was weird and different and just super comfortable. He always had a good comment. Way. He always yes. had a good comment. And I, I, to this day, every once in a while, will slip in like yeah. a comment yeah. from, from his character. From, yeah. If you don't know who that is, he is uh, Stuart. In Scream, he was one of the two dudes in Scream, and he's done 
Shaggy in all of the recent Scooby-Doo's. He was Shaggy in like the several live action movies that came out. Yep. And then he also does the voice and has done the voice of Shaggy in Scooby-Doo for like 20 years. Long time. Yeah. He's been really involved with that franchise. Mm -hmm. He's also uh, played in Criminal Minds. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little. Just a bit parts here and there. A bit part. But boy, he can play it. Really evil dude. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love the versatility. Mm-hmm. Shaggy, evil guy. Yeah. I love it. I love seeing actors who can do all that kind of stuff. Me too. We have Fisher Stevens, who played the plague. He's got an unusual career. He was uh, Chuck Fishman in the early edition, late 90s television show. So after this movie, he was in early edition, which I think was like a guy who got a a newspaper paper, like the day before he did and it's Tom. my husband's like favorite show oh really yeah okay so he he had a uh, regular fairly large reoccurring part in that show and then he's been at bit characters he is an absolutely character actor friends Frasier, lost a lot of iterations of law and order also in elementary with johnny lee miller so, you know, that's kind of fun. We have uh, Wendell Pierce, who played Agent Dick Gill, and he was the federal officer that was chasing them in, like, the face of the manhunt for these kids that ensues in this movie. And he was in uh, Suits, a season of Unsolved, the one that was the murder of Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. Which I have not seen and I, I would really like I to. I heard it's great. Yeah. And I, but that was the same one that did the, the O.J. Simpson. No, it wasn't Unsolved. It was something else. It was something else. The O.J. Simpson OJ. one was really good. It was too. good. It was really good. Um, and, but his most notable like reoccurring character was that he was Detective Bunk Moreland on The Wire. So, which I thought, ooh, that's the one I need to mention because it's not only like his biggest, most widely known part, yeah. but also The Wire. Hello, crime and entertainment. And yep. then, I don't know, I didn't realize this till I was looking at the list that Agent Ray, who was working with Agent Dick Gill, was Mark Anthony. Yeah, yeah. that's Mark Anthony. Yeah, like, I was like, as like a I child. Yeah. He's so young. He's so like, he looks about 19. He was probably in his you know, mid to late 20s, but he probably. looked about 19. And then I, my favorite like cameo was Pendulette as Hal. He oh, was one yes. of the, the like security officers for the big mainframe computer that these kids were trying to hack into. So I thought that was really like Yeah. He's, he's an unforgettable face. Yes. I forget his name all oh, the time. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know his name. And, you know, yeah. I'm better with faces than names. Oh, Let's just say right. that. That's right. You know what? <laughs> that's why they created Internet Movie Database. IMDb has saved my butt a million times. All the time, my husband would be like, what has that person been in? I've seen that person before. And I'm like, I don't know. What episode is this? Let me go and look it up. So while I was watching it, I noticed at the end, I'm going to jump to the end real quick. Okay. The credits. And there was hackers consultants. And I was like, (laughs) ooh, did they actually consult some hackers? Because it doesn't look like they did. But there's two people's names. So I'm going to go find out about it. So the names were Jack Hitt and Paul Tuff. Were they hackers? No. They were journalists. 
Oh, interesting. Yes. They were journalists who wrote an article called Terminal Delinquents for the December 1990 issue of Esquire magazine. <laughs> I found the article. Did you really? Ha, ha, ha. Here it is, my dear. Here's oh. the article. I found it. You, I'll, I'll post the whole thing. I'll let you read my annotated copy of it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it. A ton of this movie is based on this article, which I was like, okay, on the one hand, cool. Right? Yeah. Cool. On the other hand, the movie came out in 1995. This article is written in 1990. So even if though it was at the end of 1990 and the movie came out in 1995, it really four years, so much changes in four years. And I don't know if they realized how much and how quickly things were really changing. Probably not, but you you can't get a film out faster than that well, either. So it's yeah. kind of hard because all films have to deal with this idea right. of, um, we have this idea, but uh-huh. no other subject moves so fast. Right. And so it's really hard. That's why uh, whenever you see like smartphones or computers in television shows, they're going to the manufacturers and saying, what is your next thing because they want to put the absolute latest thing that they can so that it doesn't look dated as quickly right because i mean you go back and watch old episodes of things you know on netflix and it's just crystal clear yeah well and you know people with their pagers and yeah you know okay but i did i did have i did have a pager in 1995 yeah oh totally like (laughs) yeah but that was like a thing in 1985 because yeah. car phones were not car. They took up a seat in your car. They did. You know, it wasn't expensive. Like, they were too. expensive. It was expensive to make any calls from it. It was. It was the land of luxury and the rich and famous, yeah. or drug dealers, or very wealthy, high-profile yeah. people who were doing things. So. And just to speak to how fast it changes, yes. is that by 1996, I totally had a cell phone. Yeah. Oh, I mean, really? it was a big gray be- brick, uh-huh. you know? But you had a cell but phone. But I had a cell phone. Oh, you were. Wow. I'm impressed. Dad was in IT. Mm. So I... I lived in a, an environment that was all about this kind of stuff. Right, yeah. You know, like, I had several of the laptops shown in that oh, movie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And now, I were... didn't have Kate's all fly, real thin profile one, yeah. because that was brand thin, new. Thin profile with the With the large screen. Uh-huh. That was a big... That was yeah. a big screen for that, and yeah, it's like a quarter the size of the computer that I'm recording this on right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I totally did not have that one. Uh But I did have the others. Yeah. 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 Cool. At the beginning, and then later also with Joey, we see federal agents descend on the hacker's home. Which... Okay. (laughs) So, you laugh, but this is actually what happened. It was called Operation Sun Devil. Sun Devil? Operation Sun Devil was the federal sweep of computer hackers and they literally descended upon children's homes and seized computers fax machines answer machines cassette recorders soldering irons oh yeah well because that makes because they're soldering stuff but they were swat team 
raids of these children's houses. That's so terrifying. It really is. Like six armed agents going to take a single teenager into custody. That's scary. It seems a little like overkill, but I, I don't know why it was so intense when they really seem to not really even understand what these kids were even capable of doing. Maybe that's what it is. Is the unknown. They just no, don't maybe. understand. And maybe. so they had to come at it with what they knew, which mm-hmm. was force. Right. You know, because if you've ever had a SWAT team descend on your place, it's scary. And yeah. I only had it happen scary. once, but it was scary. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had it happen. Hmm. That's going to be a story for another a, time. A, a, another time. But I can't imagine being a parent now and having that happen oh and having gosh. that fear for your child. Because on the one hand, that obedience that you want to show to law enforcement. On the other hand, coming in with guns towards Uh my child. Yeah. That's, yeah. No. Very, very scary. Mm -hmm. So as ridiculous as that looked in the movie, that part was actually pretty darn accurate. Wow. I thought that was the part that was exaggerated. (laughs) No. That was not a part that was exaggerated. That was a part that was pretty, like... Legit. Dade hacked computers and crashed the New York Stock Exchange. 1,507. 1,507 computers in the New York Stock Exchange. Computer systems. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Why would somebody really want to do that? And why would they want to do that? Well, there are a couple schools of thought. So I have an article. Wait, wait. Did this happen? Not exactly. Okay. No, no, that part didn't. Oh, okay. That part was made up. What they did was fictional. Okay, because now I'm thinking, oh, if they based it on this article. No, no, no. That, okay. that They didn't exactly do that, but that was how they, that was their mechanism that they used to get Dade in trouble. Gotcha. So I found an article that said, why would somebody want to hack the stock exchange? And it's not... One school of thought, there are a couple. What the first school of thought we're going to talk about is that hackers don't want to crash the stock exchanges. They want to make money on them. Kind of the idea is that the people who might hack the stock exchange are not so much into it to crash it as they are to manipulate it. That makes sense. Yes. So, and there was a... A time, this is like back in 2015, I think, that where the, like the stock exchange kind of crashed. I do it, remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it wasn't, but it wasn't anything nefarious. It was just like a computer glitch that happened and a power surge or something like that. Right. It turned out to be like a nothing, and everything came back up and it was fine. But it freaked people out pretty good, and so that's around when this article came out, and they said. Anonymous, the hacker organization that, yeah, tries to do different things, had kind of said, oh, it would be a shame if something happened on this day, which I think is pretty, like, normal for they put out stuff and they're like, it would be a shame if something happened this day, and nothing happens. Right. They're a little, you know, Yeah, a a little boy who cried wolf there. So, but they had put something out that had said it would be a shame, and then this stuff happened. And so, and then they said, oh, we didn't have anything to do with it. (laughs) The argument in this article was that the people in Anonymous aren't actually the elite hackers. The elite hackers are Russian oligarchs and Chinese 
people who work for Chinese officials and stuff like that. And they don't want to crash the stock market because that's their piggy bank. That that makes a lot They're of sense. They're going to lose a lot and of money. And we've seen a little bit of this elite action in right. our recent political history. Yes, exactly. So it's it's there and it kind of happens. And But to our knowledge, it has not been infiltrated. That And that's to our knowledge. But if they were going to infiltrate it, these professionals, they'd be doing it to manipulate it and make more money and not crash it. That that is a solid school of thought, but I'm very interested in what the other one is. Okay, the other school of thought is why do young hackers turn to crime and it's not for money? So whereas these older individuals who are professional hackers are looking to manipulate the market, younger hackers are coming at it for the power and the prestige that would come from that kind of hack. And Which is a little bit where we find our group of kid hackers. Right, exactly. So the National Crime Agency is the organization of the government that's kind of following this stuff. Okay. Okay. So the average age for their suspects in the cyber crime unit, the average age of their suspects is 17. Wow. Yes. Isn't that amazing? <gasps> well below drugs, which is 37 and economic crime which is 39 so that kind of shows us if you're hacking for economic success you're probably an adult individual Mm -hmm. in your mid to late 30s or older if you're hacking for prestige you're probably a teenager that makes sense yeah but that i feel like both of those schools of thought can coexist yes because The young kids. And I don't know, where does ideology land here? Because a little bit of the ideology was that free the data. Yes. And that was something else that this one covered was kind of that they were doing it because they they think the internet should be free. It should be an open exchange of ideas. It shouldn't be limited by the government in such a way that it makes it only a playground for either the wealthy or corporations. One of the kids that they interviewed for this article said, it made me popular. I enjoyed the feeling. I looked up to users with the best reputations. Then they said that they, the NCA, the National Crime Agency, is trying to encourage these kids to use their skills wisely right. to to find jobs and ways to use it rather than being delinquent about it. And in Terminal Delinquents, which is the article that from 1990, which I'm going to refer back to a bunch, the kids in that article had said, if we could work for the telephone company and have a job helping them find their holes and protect it, we would love that. Mm-hmm. But I guess they had the one of the telephone companies had hired a hacker to kind of do that. They learned their secrets, patched the holes, and then discontinued the program and fired the hacker. Oh. Yeah. So there really wasn't any jobs at that time. It's a little different now. Now they've got a little more, there's a lot more job opportunities. Companies see the value and what they're doing. So in the movie, Plague, an adult who ends up trying to frame the children, the children, because that's right. what they are. They're children in this they're movie. Kids. They're, they're kids. In this, in this movie, they're kids. He's 
trying to steal a bunch of money from the company and he's framing the kids for it. And the kids were doing it to have fun, to see how far they could get to gain the prestige and the honor among their peers. Right. And he, he kind of seeks them out, but, yes. but well, the friends yes. of, yeah, yeah, he seeks them out. Right. And so, but he's doing it to an end and his end is financial. Right. His yes. end is definitely financial. So those are your two schools of thought right there. Yes. One is financial. One is free the data. So, but all the way back in the nineties, that's kind of held true. And this other article from April of 2017 is there's it's still kind of holding true. And so. what's funny is though the plague actually says to Dade people need people like us. Yeah. These corporations need people like us. We are so there's a bit of that leftover I rule the world power even though there's this economical advantage right. to his worm and than to why he needs to protect his worm with a virus. At the end of the day, he was working for a corporation doing good and being wise, but it gave him all that power because he controlled so much. And that power went straight to his head. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Corruption. Yep. yep. Took a little while to kind of get into like the movie. I felt like there was a long setup. Yeah. It was like 45 minutes of setup before it really, you kind of got into the action of the movie. Right. So when we started to get into the action, this was maybe one of my very favorite parts of the movie was Kate and Dade had a competition. Yes. As to who could hack Detective Dick Gill. Yes, they need to harass him. Yes. The best. And the best harasser wins. Yes. Uh, Yes. And they canceled his credit card. They placed a very salacious personal ad (laughs) and had had his work telephone number. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which was phenomenal. And, you know, back to the credit card. Uh They didn't just cancel it. They said destroy. Yes. And if you don't know, this used to be a thing. Yeah, they don't do it anymore. They don't do that anymore. But if your credit card had a destroy order on it, the waiter, waitress, or whoever had your card had to cut it in front of you. Yes. That was the deal. And so he got his credit card card cut in front of him while he was on a date or out with his wife. You don't don't know who the woman was, but in front of his companion. Very embarrassing. And then these calls... Come on. And, and then they're these, oh it was so funny. Oh, it was so dirty and awful and oh. his reactions were priceless. Yes, and he just couldn't hang up the phone fast enough. <laughs> I was like, ooh man, there's a lot of one message of, after the other. There's a lot of freaky people in New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> we love our New York friends. We do. We do, but there are some very interesting individuals. Who yeah. Have very specific tastes, evidently. Very. Yeah. So uh, then they gave him a DUI. Which was fantastic. <laughs> oh. They give him a big rap sheet uh-huh. and then he gets arrested on the yeah. side of the road. Yeah. It was so funny. Yeah, poor guy. I felt a little bad for him, but it was really funny and he kind of deserved it. And then they made him dead. Dade made him dead. Dade made him dead. And the friends decide that it was a tie. Which is 
baloney. Baloney. I yeah. mean, you he made him dead. He made Do you know him how dead. hard it is to reinstate yourself as a living human being? It's like practically impossible. There's all kinds of articles about people who are like accidentally marked dead and like they're like, "Well, we need your death certificate." I don't have a death certificate because I'm not dead. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not that I'm alive. Well, yeah. we don't know who you are. We can't prove that. It's no. just a nightmare for them for yeah. people who have to go through this. Oh. But but dead. But dead. Come on, Dave kinda, wins. Kind of funny. Dave totally But he, uh, alas, is in a tie, and so it's a matter of a tie-breaking round. Yes. The kids in the movie are self-taught, which is super impressive, I do have to say, in the mid-90s, because there was no real internet to speak of. It was very rudimentary at the time. There were no YouTube videos. Mm -mm. There was not, like, guides. It was all self-taught stuff. And that, even now, continues to be the way it is for most young hackers, is it's self-taught information it's a lot easier to get the information to learn now which is why it moves so quickly right because the information became available hackers started mentoring other hackers yes but computer programmers started mentoring for computer programmers yes it's a language you either really get it or you don't right you know and these kids who pick it up young it's like it's a Mm -hmm. fluent language to them but right you know they did break out some coding books and some Uh because this has been around since the LA 70s. Right. And into the 80s is when they really were using networking. Right. You know, and so right. there's some hackers from the 80s. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But these kids but, were at a heyday. Yeah. They were like the pioneers of this is what hacking really is and when they could really start to do more sophisticated stuff. So, right. and that continues to be the case as most people are self taught. In North Korea, You cannot be self-taught. How North Korea recruits its army of young hackers. Oh, wow. So in Korea, North Korea, most people don't have computers. And even fewer have access to the internet at home. It's a fairly rare thing. That's part of how they maintain control over their people. So there was a a young math whiz, uh, Rai Yong Yol. I hope I'm saying that right. If I'm not, I apologize, kind sir. He, for the third year in a row, had just won second place in the International Mathematical Olympiad in Hong Kong in 2016. And had he returned to North Korea after winning second place for the third time in this competition, he probably would have been recruited into this hacking organization of North Korea's. He opted not to do that because he was 18 years old. He was able to walk off the campus of Hong Kong University of Science and Technology and defect, which he did. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't know where this story was going, so I was really nervous. Yeah, no, and he uh, went on to be a college student, and, you know, they were very secretive about, like, his whereabouts and stuff in this article. They were protecting him, but they kind of talked about how North Korea puts a lot of push in elementary school on math and science, and the kids who really excel at it, 
then are sent to different kinds of schools. And those kids, the best of the best, are then plucked to go to universities that specialize in computer technology. And it's not until they reach that point that hacking is introduced to them. So they're in their early 20s. They've had a lot of specialty training, really rarefied education. Well, and a lot of control, I would assume, because before they give these people access to things, Mm -hmm. they need to have an emotional, psychological hold onto these kids. Yes, they want to make sure that they are true believers, so to speak. In uh, 1996, Kim Jong-il told a group of these troops that all wars in the future will be computer wars, which I was like, man, that's like a year after this movie came out. That was some, I mean, he, you know, terrible dictator, a lot of great foresight. A lot. Like, start developing these kinds of programs and you that know, just makes you so mad because he's one of these people that anyway yeah exactly could be good yeah it could be good use use your power for good anyway so then you know we had the hack of the sony pictures in 2014 which was the work of north korea the fbi also thinks that north korea uh was behind an 81 million dollar cyber heist of a bank Bangladesh central bank account of the Federal Reserve of New York. Oh. Yeah, so like these are pretty high level. This is that kind of is both ideological and financial because it's state run by their government. Well, it is. Yeah. And the espionage and now meddling in our elections. Mm-hmm. It is. It, yeah. it is a different battlefield. Right. Completely different battlefield, but with real consequences. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at the beginning of the movie, Dade's mom, they've just moved to New York, and it's his 18th birthday, and his mom asks him, what are you doing? <laughs> Do you remember what his answer was? Hacking. I'm taking over a television network. Right, because yeah. he wanted to watch Outer Limits. Yeah, Yeah, he wanted to watch a specific television show, and instead of recording it on his VCR and watching it later, he decided to hack the television station. Well, yeah, why not? They're just doing prepaid and doing, you know, tapes anyways. Switch a tape, watch your show. Uh What does it matter? So that's pretty cool. Do you know, do you remember how he got his, the modem information? Oh, he had to call. And this is what I love about the 1990s-ish-ness of this film. Because he had to call and act. He had to interact and then be criminal and make this this security officer who has no idea what he's doing give him the number of the modem. Yes. So this has a name. It's called social engineering. So you can hack to get usernames and passwords. Mm-hmm. It's like a drag for, especially in the early, early 90s, to hack to get this information because it's easy to do, but it's time consuming. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and it's kind of boring. And so they called it social engineering. And so Dade did this at the beginning of the movie <laughs> and he calls the night guard and <laughs> I loved the 
pop culture references he used oh, that the yeah. guard was too old to get. This is Mr. Vetter from accounting. My BLT drive went A-W-O-L. <laughs> Mr. Kawasaki is going to make me commit Harry Carey. I laughed and I had to pause the movie and explain to my 14-year-olds what all of these things were. And even then he didn't really think it was funny because it no. wasn't his pop culture reference. But it was pretty funny. It's the little box with the blinky lights. That was my favorite description of the modem. <laughs> yeah. And then what I love is on top of the modem they have typed out and on one of those little label maker machines they have typed out and put the yes they typed it out and put it on there Mm -hmm. yeah and so in this article from 1990 terminal delinquents the journalists were talking to a couple of hackers so cool and icon were their names and they said that instead of doing the hacking to get usernames and passwords, they do this social engineering because it was kind of fun. Well, it is kind of fun. Yeah, it was just like feeding the person on the other line uh, some BS. And it's got all the attractions of an old-fashioned prank call. (laughs) Because it was fooling an adult. It was improvisation. They were getting the information that they needed. And so one of the hackers said, Hi, I'm from the Social Engineering Center, and I need your password. And they gave it to me. No. I swear sometimes I think I could call up and say, Hi, I'm eating a banana split. Give me your password. No. So back then, it was relatively easy. And then at the end of this article... Which is way faster than hacking it. Less time in the system, less... Less visibility. And so much more fun. And way more fun. And way more fun. So at the end of this article, they decided to do another little social engineering. And they called the White House. No. Oh, yes. This is awesome. Okay, so do you want to read the hacker or do you want to read the White House person? I I want to read the the White House person. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to read the hacker, what the hacker, because it's a transcription and this is pretty good. So... Yeah, how are you doing? This is uh, Francois Jabot from the Computer Operations Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just wondering if you had any access to the PROF system. Yeah, I do. I don't use it very often, though. Uh, yeah, I know, because we're like troubleshooting your account. Oh. It seems like something's wrong with it. And, you know, we're wondering if maybe it's like one of the dial-ups you're using to get in or something. Well, let me see. Hold on. I'm just getting out of what I was doing. Oh, you know, if you're busy, I could call back later. No, that's okay. This is fine. Hold on one minute. I'm just saving where I was. (laughs) What I'm working on. Oh, what I'm working on. Okay. (laughs) So I'm lost my place. I'm just saving what I was working on. Okay. Well, wait, wait, why don't you go back a little? We have to verify the account as you're typing it in. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we want to make sure that it's your account and not somebody else's. Oh, okay, how do I get out of this? Oh, oh, don't worry about it. Just repeat your account. Tell me the account that you're using currently. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, and then he reads off seven characters. And then characters. apparently I read off seven <laughs> characters. Um, okay... Uh, do you need my password too? Um, yeah, that'd be good. Can I you just... believe that? That's the White House. That's the White, the White, they called the White House and, t- you know, didn't give any kind of credentials. Nothing. Of any kind. This was 1990. You know, because people in 1990 who were adults didn't... using computers saw them as no different than a glorified notebook. Really? 
The, really, it was easier to find information in it. Yeah, that was that it. was that was what it was Spreadsheets about. Spreadsheets were easier. Yeah, it was easier than a typewriter. Yeah, uh, I could go back and change it, and if I need to, yeah, make a change, I can print it out again. Right. Nobody had a clue. Yeah. No. Except these kids. Well, and that's what's cool about it is these these kids saw it and knew it. Now there were people. There were people who had a clue. In fact, the people who set up these networks, as the plague had notated, gave out instructions about these things but nobody listened no nobody listened in the movie eventually these kids realize that they're being framed that there's this da vinci virus inside this big mainframe computer and it's going to cause oil spills which is so 1995 like everybody was all about the environment not that we're not about the environment we love the environment we want to protect the environment Everybody was all about oil spills in the environment and what's it doing to our environment. And so yeah. that was like very much a, let's hit the pop culture where it is right now. Right. And then the kids realize that the actual issue is there's a worm on this mainframe that's taking tiny percentages of millions of transactions in order to get money. And right. we know that the plague has put it in the system. Right. But the kids figure it out. And you know what it reminded me of? What? The office space. Because they tried to do basically the exact same thing with a little computer program in office space. Yeah. And botched it. They were supposed to take the little fraction of a penny out. Yes. And they accidentally took like all of the pennies. Yes. And it was like. I was like, oh, it's so funny. I totally forgot about Uh, that. Well, I did too until I was watching this movie because that's not really what I think about when I think of office space. It's not what I think about either, but you're right. I'm beating up a fax machine and, you know, (laughs) not missing work and flare. Those are the TPS reports. Yeah, yeah, TPS reports. These are the things you think about. Where's my stapler? You know? These are the things you think about when you're watching Office Space. But that was one of the things that they were trying to do. Is that was like a main plot line. No, and the, but, the, but they screwed it up really, and it was hilarious. Right. Yeah. But, you know, before Office Space, we had but, the well, And I wonder, did Office Space get the idea from here? That's a good question. It, it's I'm curious. Because at this point, even in the movie, they really haven't seen a worm before. Like, no. they aren't familiar enough with that to look at code and go, yeah. oh, that's I uh-huh. totally know what that is. They spent all night looking at this section of code until right. Dave figures it out. Right. And calls it a worm. Right. Yes. Once he starts the ball rolling, though, they're all, yeah. oh, I get it. I get it. I yeah. get it. And now yeah. it all makes sense. Right. Let's talk about what the movie did well and what it did poorly. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> okay. So the graphics. Oh, my God. Oh, they're bad. They are. They're yeah. bad. Like, just random strings of characters going across the screen in all different directions. Super crappy special effects, It was man. really, like, very... I was trying to figure out our late, like, trying to make it, like, forward-looking so that it won't look dated, but I, it looks super dated. And actually, I bet it did in 1995, even. It kind of was a little cheesy. Yeah. But I have to tell you, I, I have a, a theory. Mm-hmm. I have a theory about these effects. 
Okay. Okay. Because at that point, computer screens were not pretty to look at. No. You couldn't watch somebody do something. So there's a minimal amount of that in the movie where you're actually looking at a screen and he's doing things only when they really want to show you what he's doing on the screen. But it's not pretty at all. But a lot of what's going on in a hacker's world is going on in his mind. Right. It's all of this. How do you show that visually? Yeah. Because a film doesn't really want to just plot explanation, man, the whole time. No, nor should they. They also want to show how his brain is putting these things together. And so if you watch carefully these special effects, they are jumbled code with these little swirly things that look like DNA. And the closer he gets to getting it, the more the DNA starts to make sense. So he's... So so they're kind of trying to show what's happening in his brain. I wish they had made it less about the computer screen and more about his brain because it seemed like they were really... And then later, they're having the battle in the mainframe. Right. Oh, it was not good. Oh, the circular? Yeah, it was like circular. It was like... And they were physically in a room with these like big columns... That you could see through and see the stuff inside of them. Right, they're like in the supercomputer room and there's actually physical columns denoting the different powers. That are like lit up and it was... A little fantastical with the the towers. A little... Yeah. I I wish they had chosen a different way to show that it was more internal right yeah I didn't well because like that was really the physical successful. room but then the special effect had the tower thing going on yeah so yeah. and that kind of does but they kind of but the way it was set up to me and my 14 year old it looked like the the computer itself was these like glass columns it was not. It was They're not. not. They're ugly. They're yeah. ugly like racks of things, yes. right? Like they made nothing. them look prettier. Yeah. But I did, when it was in the special effects side, when they were like flying through no. the circuit board into the towers, I, my thought is, I don't think the producers or the director or anybody knew it well enough to understand how to visually denote what they were doing. Right. Looking in different towers. Which right. The, the different places and how yeah. to find... Basically, they were soaring through internet... Like, file explorer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or yeah. internet browser history. <laughs> or you know? like one of those really old, like, Nintendo games where you're, like, flying through the person's body and, like... Yeah. This is, like, the level of Right. And see, effects. today, if you were to film that and somebody is going through different and looking through a computer we we all kind of get that yeah but there was there wasn't that yeah my 1995 laptop there was no file explorer that was easy to see and understand right and they weren't even using the window they were just using code to look right so how do you show that visually yeah crappy special effects to the rescue yeah yeah but the the little dna worm Uh that comes together as he starts yeah I can see that, but oh man, it it's, was. I laughed a tremendous amount. Yeah, it's like oh wow, revisiting this these. Is, this is not so good. And then all of the computers were also evidently projectors because anytime somebody was looking at a computer, you could see what was on their computer projected onto their face, on their face, and all over the wall behind them. Which I was like, oh no, this that's is, not mm-hmm. true. That's not even. <laughs> Like, all they had to do was open up the actual laptops that they had there to see that that wasn't 
what was happening. And I get right. that they were trying to use it, but it really just made it look really hokey. It was a it was a risk that I think the director took to use all of these effects and try to visually show this. Yeah, you know, it was not successful. <laughs> So, so wait, you're 14 year old. I mean, I laugh because I remember. Uh huh. Yes. This might be one of the only major 1990 special effects he's really encountered. Mm, we watched. We've watched some older movies, yeah. but like you know, Toy Story came out not long after that, and just like seeing what they were capable of doing in a movie like Toy Story, like '99. 98 yeah not that long after already working on it by 1995 yeah and see where they were at with this movie well and that's it's what i a say low budget you know it's fine it's a director's risk and let's and let's be clear it went straight to the video store yeah yeah. Like, this wasn't in theaters. I think maybe it was briefly. Maybe a short run, yeah, very limited release. Vi- yes. It but was, it, because I read something about, uh, there was like a Billboard article about this movie from like 1995, somewhere online. I didn't even print it out or get the reference for it. But they were like, some people are really going to like this, but it's not going to do well in the box office. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. It's kind of a cult classic in a way uh-huh, except yeah. it just never really became a classic right but i think that's the level of cheese they were looking for yeah you know well, what i'm saying the level of cheese they attained for sure <laughs> okay so what so, else okay what else? so while the nicknames sound bad the like nicknames? It, the nicknames of the hackers okay in the movie. wait 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 not nicknames they're handles oh i'm sorry you're right. You're right. I should get this wrong. Their handles sound really <laughs> cheesy. Let's let's go through them. Uh, crash override, uh, burn. I don't remember. Acid burn. Acid burn. That's what it was. Thank you. Acid burn. It was Kate. Crash overdrive was Dade. And he and was zero cool. And zero cool, which is what he did when he was like ten. Uh, there were serial, Nikon, Freak, spelled with a P-H. Thank you, Internet Movie Database. Yes. The Plague, Razor Blade. Okay, so some of the real hacker handles that I came across in my research were no less ridiculous. Oh, I can't so, believe it. Cool, Icon, Captain Crunch, 2600, Odd Job, 9X, Frack, so I thought in that, in like choosing handles and like having them have like kind of a meaning, I thought they did a pretty decent job at. They kind of killed it, that right? Was, yeah, yeah, I thought they did a good job. And this wasn't an issue, but I found it really funny that they were like totally fangirling over a 28.8 BPS modem. I mean, right? Hilarious. It watching, was so funny. Watching all of the, you know, the... The bites. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and watching them copy files. And it's, it's like. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't even. Yeah, I know. I know. It was so funny. It was just, it really. And I remember filling up discs like at this time, oh. like doing stuff for yearbook and like, oh, I have to get another disc out because there's not room left on this disc and realizing that that disc could be like a small email attachment now. Oh, yeah. You know, like... Oh, my dad loves to tell the story because he worked in those supercomputer rooms. Okay. He set those up. He Uh worked in those. He was at Rich's. And so they had a room 
Okay. Kind of like in the movie, but not uh-huh. so fantastical. <laughs> um, a room of these supercomputer that was one computer. Wow. Right? Yeah. It took uh-huh. up a whole room. And it was on tape at that time. Wow. Like when he was really right. beginning on that. And this tape would be $10,000 for like megabytes. Wow. Right? Wow. And so he likes to tell the story that we have far more st- storage in our cell phones than mm-hmm. he had in that room That's when he started. amazing. Now, by 1995, those supercomputers definitely were kind of way powerful. Right. But nevertheless, yeah. in my hands, I hold. Yes. <laughs> our iPhones are like some of the most p- powerful machinery I mean, ever in the history of man. Yeah. If you want to appreciate the technology we have now, go yeah, watch this movie. Yeah, go watch this movie. <laughs> yep. And then... Um, the plague kind of manipulates Dade into working with him, sort Ish. of. Well, Ish. He, he, yeah, he threatened his mom, and that wasn't the issue that I had with it. The issue that I had with it was that Dade is going to give a copy of, of the disc that they had made earlier in the movie that started this whole thing to the plague in order to keep his mother from going to jail. And he's in a dark alley that's misty, and he's holding <laughs> up the the disc, and the plague comes out of nowhere on a skateboard, skates by him, takes it out of his hand, and then goes and grabs onto the handle of a limo. It was ridiculous. Yeah, he's actually holding that limo when he's coming. Like, he's skating oh. on the side of that limo, holding it. Well, because... The plague is a complete dork. Oh my gosh, it was so dumb. He's so dorky. He and was so was dorky, so... and I don't know if he was trying to be cool, or if the, I the director he... was trying to be cool, or what, but it was ridiculous. It was maybe the most ridiculous thing in the entire movie. I think... I know. <laughs> I think that the plague still thought of himself as that young hacker kid. Yeah. And so he was an adult, like a grown man, and he's trying to act like, like he thinks the kids do. Yeah. And so he does all of this stuff. And I love the look on Dade's face. <laughs> it's like when your dad uses slang that you know they don't have any reference for. Right. Yeah. And so you're... Yeah. you're I love Dade's look on his face. He's like, what is going on here? But, you know... I think, and that's him the whole time. The plague is like that the whole time. Look at his room. It was all trashed and junk food and, you know. Yeah, bed on the floor. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he just, he acts like an overgrown child Mm -hmm. the whole time, but uncool. Yep. Only because it'll come later. The mainframe that they were hacking was called the Gibson. Yeah, Gibson. Yeah, that's like important to something I want to talk about in a minute. So the equipment that was used in the basement of Grand Central Station by the kids, mm-hmm. they had like things that they like put the telephone handsets hand into yeah. from the payphones. That stuff was pre- evidently pretty accurate. That was pretty like legit. Yeah. They talked about that in this article that, you know, that was the kind of stuff that they used. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the kids are vindicated because they expose the plague for the worm and his financial crimes, and he gets caught. But I thought they got out of trouble awfully quickly. Right. Because, when? <laughs> because they were still breaking the law. They were still doing some very, very shady stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just because they caught somebody... 
wouldn't in real life absolve them of whatever crimes they committed. Right. Because what they got in trouble for, though, was them trying to vindicate themselves from this person trying to frame them. Yeah, but who was only able to frame them because... They hacked the well, Gibson in the first place. One kid did. One kid hacked. And he started blaming other people. Right. So I think the one kid still needed to be in trouble. But, you know, to be fair, he did have a court date coming up. So he had yeah. already been indicted yeah. for this. Yeah. But the other kids were being framed and taken down. But still doing illegal things. Yeah. They still gave... You know, Detective Gill. Oh, they did a lot. They didn't get caught for that. No, but they were (laughs) the things they were doing were still illegal, and they seemed like they did an awful lot of illegal stuff that they didn't get in trouble. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, any good movie, Ferris gets away with it. So the hackers, yeah, exactly. My um, (laughs) my fourteen year old called the movie peculiar at best. Peculiar. Peculiar Well, because I can't imagine somebody going back who hasn't lived through that technology era. No. And understanding what was going on there. Right. Okay, so, and just one more little funny thing from this Terminal Delinquents Uh article. It's not really hacking, but it was kind of like a precursor to hacking. Okay. That they talked about that this was something that they did and they called it the black loop of death. (laughs) (laughs) And basically they'd pick an organization that they had a beef with and find their fax number and they would wait until they were sure that everybody was gone for the day Mm -hmm. from this organization. And then they would take three copies of their middle finger, you know, an obscene gesture, and they'd tape them end to end, and they'd start feeding it through the fax machine, you know, dial the number of the organization they don't like, their fax machine, and they'd start sending it, and when the first page came through, they'd tape it so that it made a loop. (laughs) And it would go all night long sending middle fingers run out all their ink run out all their paper keep their fax machine busy all night long they said that this was this was something that hackers would do it was like introductory hacking was <laughs> figuring out how they could like disrupt stuff that way <laughs> i thought it was really funny it made me laugh out loud when i was reading the article. <laughs> I could have totally seen when I worked in an office like in the late 90s. Oh, I could totally have seen that happening to our office. Somebody getting irritated yeah. and deciding to do it. And oh, oh I hated so fax machines. Yeah, oh fax machines were the bane of my existence. Fax in the late machines 90s. were awful. Oh, really? And I really hated it when we should have been past fax machines because email and attachments were available, but people still wanted to fax things. Uh-huh. And I was like, because they wanted the hard copy of it. And then they'd mark it up. So it was advertising that I was working in. So we were sending proofs of advertisements to people over fax. Mm-hmm. So if their fax machine wasn't great, it looked really crummy to begin with. And then they would mark all over it and fax it back to me. And right. then I'm like, it's like three copies away. Uh, Come on, man. 
It's, yeah, no, it was just obnoxious. I couldn't stand faxes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the then the sound, the sound when you called a business. Oh, and you got their fax machine number instead. Oh, oh what a horrible sound. Oh. I mean, dial-up was, was one thing, but this sound was like dial-up, but like on cocaine. Yes. So at least four <laughs> octaves higher and, and not, but not quite out of our like hearing range. You know, and it was just an ice pick to the skull. Yeah, it really was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hated that. And then you'd think you dialed the number wrong. So you dial the number again and still you get it again. You get it again. At least you're kind of prepared for it the second time. Yeah. Hold hold the receiver away from your ear a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. No. And so receiver, boy, those phones. The, yeah, which, where, where where were we? I think we were at a mall in downtown San Antonio, and there was, like, on the third floor by the bathrooms, there was still three payphones. Oh! It was in this, like, very rarely visited corner of the mall, and we happened to need to use the restroom, and we went back there, and the kids are like, what is that? They don't, I mean, we don't have, we have cell phones. They don't understand what's happening. No. <laughs> well, and you know, Freak, he would take the uh, receiver, you know, the whatever you, whatever that is that it's called that hangs up. Yeah. You know, you pick up the receiver and there's a yeah. little button. And yeah. that is, and so if you press it a bunch, you'll get an operator. Ten times. Yeah. Ten times. That, yeah. mi- that, get, that mimics, so the old rotary phones... When you would, zero was the last number. One right. was the first number. Zero was the last number. If you went zero all the way around and then let it go, it would click 10 times mm-hmm. and that called the operator. And then you could ask the operator to connect your number and then you didn't have to. Right. And so 10 times and it would get to the operator. So yeah. this is how he gets his one phone call when, when the cop dials uh-huh. freaks home, the right. one phone call and he does 10 times and gets the operator and then what is astounding is he knew the number that he needed to call oh yeah because nobody knows anybody i know my own phone number i can tell you my parents phone number i couldn't tell you your phone number i don't know your phone number no i don't know it i know my husband's Uh uh-huh and i know my dad's yeah i don't even know my son's (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know it yeah because yeah. it's in your phone, and your phone it's knows that. in my phone, and I have no need of an operator, and if I needed one, there's not one, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you needed one, too bad. Too bad. Yeah. And then he gets the long-distance call by playing the sound of the coins. Uh-huh, yes. Okay, so you want to hear something cool? Yes. Okay, so how hacking first got started was in the 60s. Captain Crunch whose name I mentioned before as like an actual person, happened to be playing with a whistle from a box of Captain Crunch cereal. It was like the prize that came with it. He was playing with it. And while he was making a phone call, and he got a phone call for free. And he realized that this little whistle was the same tones from... The telephone company. He and his friends, which it ended up growing to a fairly extensive network of people, would test out and try and figure out what different tones in different sequences and different spacing did. 
Oh my gosh. It's just crazy. It's crazy. And then Razor and Blade yeah. in the movie oh. talks about like yeah. this hack. Yeah. Which is where this car term comes from, this hack, yeah. right? Yeah. I would assume that's the ideology of like where, yeah. you know, this term to hack it means yeah. like, so on Facebook when they're all, you know, 10 hacks for yeah. whatever. And yeah. Makes me mad when I click on one of these videos and it says a hack, but it's actually just a full on really difficult recipe. And I'm like, that's not a hack. Yeah, no. That doesn't make uh-uh. it easier. That's a recipe. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not a that's, life hack. That's, that's not like a, a hack. Yeah. That, yeah. That's just a way to, it's clickbait. That's it's what it is. Truth. Clickbait. So Captain Crunch is the one. Captain Crunch is oh. really like kind of the pioneer wow. from the 60s. So here's the thing about this movie, though. I think it was really necessary for the entertainment world. Ooh, okay. Do okay. tell. Because it paved the way for Mr. Robot on USA. Have you ever watched Mr. Robot? No. Oh, it is really great. Okay. It's really, really good. So the first season, we watched most of the way through the second season, and then it kind of got to be a little bit over our heads. But this show works extensively with hackers from the writing room, and it shows. Interesting. It's, like, super excellent. They, It's interesting. Like, they have writers who are saying, this is what where we need the character to end up is this is where they are. This is what we'd like them to do. And this is kind of where we need them to end up. And then they pass it over to the hackers and let them figure it out. They have very sophisticated actual programming. So when you see a screen on their computer in Mr. Robot, all of their code is legitimate. Wow. All of it works. All of it. That's crazy. It's really, really cool. And it's really interesting and really, really smart. <laughs> yeah. So it's... Oh, I may it's, have. Is this available? Uh, I'll have to look. I'll have to look and see where it's available. Because that uh, sounds like my next oh, binge. Yes. I think... You would love it, and I think there's. I, would. I think, and you, I don't read code. No, no, no. I, but I, you know, I love I. this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, and I don't read code either, and I really enjoyed it. Okay. In one of the climactic episodes, one of the characters is creating malicious code, and you see her screen, and on her screen it says "Hack the Gibson." No! Yes! Yes! Cult classic! Yes! It's a cult classic! Every hacker has seen this movie. All of them. Like, even if it's just to laugh at it. Like, this movie is a cult classic because it's kind of what really started the whole thing. Oh my gosh. So This is so cool because I'm an outsider. I'm not a hacker. I don't have that in me. I don't have that language yeah in me but i've always been kind of obsessed with the idea of it you know my brother is like this is his deal oh okay he uses his powers for good now yeah that's good so yeah michael if you're listening you're i'm not throwing you under the bus but there was some times i've heard stories yeah you know who knows whether they're true or not we don't need to get into all of that no but i sure would like for michael to confirm these with me but uh i will let this go yeah and he's like a really, he's amazing at yeah. it. And I think I've always kind of, I don't know, I've envied it. Yeah. I've envied 
That ability. Oh, yeah. You would, you'll really like Mr. Robot. <laughs> it's totally worth a check out. It's super, super interesting. And then, so while social engineering, that was a coin termed in the late 80s or early 90s. Right. It was used extensively in that article, you know, the whole prank call fun thing. Well, now there's actually a real world toolkit that hackers and security professionals use that's called the social engineering toolkit that they use to help them build different things. So it's like used very, very widely all over. That's so I wonder what which, what color of the Technicolor rainbow is it? I I, I, I mean the big book that doesn't sit, sit on a shelf uh-huh. or you know, I wonder. I don't know. It's the black book. It's the it's gotta be the black uh-huh. book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be. And then, you know, something that hackers didn't do but Mr. Robot does is they actually test a lot of their code. So the code works. It code doesn't just work in theory in Mr. Robot. They have technical professionals who will say, Okay, we're looking at hacking a home security system. And they'll set up a home security system in their house and spend weeks figuring out how to hack it and make it work and film the results so that they can do it properly in the show. Ah, super cool. So, but if we hadn't had 1995's Hackers, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have ended up at a cool show like Mr. Robot. So see, I for all of its that. faults, I can see where it really played an important role in the technology entertainment crime area. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because art so often predicts. And, yes. and it's weird because it's that age-old question, does art imitate life or does life imitate art? And I don't think it's linear like yeah. that. I, I don't think anything is that is, linear. Yes. But um, I think the point is that creatives often have vision and those visions do imitate life but just a few seconds ahead, right? Yeah. It does. It imitates the life that's to be. Yeah. And because they understand it, then they can kind of almost influence it. And we've seen this for bad in a lot of ways. Right. Um, when they've glorified things. Well, that, but we just don't see the good. I know it's been used but for it's good been used in for a, lot good. Of, a lot of ways. Well, and in this case, I think for crime, obviously hackers are, are now being utilized as we get more advanced as we see what it could have I mean, back in 1996, when I was watching this movie, right. really, that world, there's a world out there that really piqued my interest. There's a world out there. I could be connected to people. I could have a a connection with an entire world from my house. Mm-hmm. I could, like, well, send files. I could look at what could be done. Right. And now I'm yeah. attached and, uh, to my and, iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, the email ended pen pals. Oh, yeah. I remember having a pen pal from France. Yeah. When I was, you know, in high school, they set us up with pen pals, and she was supposed to write to me in English, and I was supposed to write to her in French, and I mostly wrote to her in English with a little bit of French thrown in. And, you know, here and there, because I was never really very good at it. But, I mean, you know, once you got to email, you don't need to have people send you up as 
pen pals, or even if you did get set up as pen pals, you send one another emails. Right. And now it's like, well, you can meet anybody from anywhere in the world, practically. Yeah. yeah. Chat. Gosh, yeah. chat Maybe rooms not were like my life oh. in high school. Um, yeah, but yeah. chat rooms. See, and that was college know. for me. But yeah, I mean, like, there was so many. Like, yeah. Oh, and all the drama, and you know, yeah. it was just oh, I like had real friends. life. I had friends that were in uh-huh. other areas, junior, senior years when that was like a big thing. Yeah, and, you know, That's I so just cool. that was amazing. All of that world that was opened up, mm-hmm. you know, but the crime opened up too. Yeah, yeah, and it was super interesting. So that was hackers. Oh, I loved hackers. Yes. Did you like hackers? I, you know, I can, appre- I appreciate it more doing research and thinking about it than maybe I did actually watching the movie. Okay. <laughs> so I'm kind of more of the, I understand why it got 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but I can appreciate that it was kind of important. Yeah. Really. Yeah. In what was happening. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah, I can appreciate cool. that. All right, so we mentioned last time that we we're going to do a little contest. Uh, so exciting! I have a CSI board game that I'm going to send to a lucky listener. Woohoo! So uh, I would like for you to share our posts with your friends on Facebook and retweet our tweets. So every time you share something, every time you retweet something, I'll give you an entry. I'll give you five entries if you rate and review our podcast and Apple podcast. And then all you have to do to enter that way is take a little screen grab of your rate and review so that I can see that you did it and send it to us at killerfunpodcast at gmail.com. And that, and then I'll put your name in the bin five times for that. So it's one for social media shares. You can share all our posts. Tell all your friends because we want them all to listen to it. So if you want to find us on Facebook, it's Killer Friend Podcast, exploring the intersection of crime and entertainment. And on Twitter, our handle is at Killer Fun Pod. So it's the shortcut on Facebook is at Killer Fun Podcast. On Twitter, it's Killer Fun Pod. That's how you find us on the socials. I will mail it to you. It will cost you nothing. But it would really help us out if you would rate and review. That's our most important. That's why we're giving the most to that. Mm-hmm. If you do shares on Facebook or Twitter, make sure you tag us on Twitter so that I can make sure that I see that. You have through September 6th to enter and we will draw a winner on September 7th and announce it on the pod September 13th. So rate, review, share, tell your friends. We're little indie podcasters. We they let we want people to listen. Help us out. We're, we're not making but, any money on this, so we just want people to listen. But you know, help your friend out because <laughs> I know that you know somebody who needs to listen to something that's fun. Yeah. That's and you we're know, fun. Yeah. And if we're not like murdery, not that there's anything wrong with murdery podcasts. I like murdery podcasts, but you don't always want to listen to murdery podcasts. No. You don't always want to listen to political podcasts. You don't want to always listen to something, you know, serious or, or completely just like stupid hilarious. You want a little funny and a little interesting and you know, I think we fit that. Yeah, I think we fit right in the gap there. I do. So tell you your know, friends. We're not exactly true crime, but we're true crime-ish. We're true true crime-related 
Yeah. So, you know, you know, you got somebody. You else got somebody. You want to be able to talk about this with. That's so tell true. your friend. Tell your friends. Yeah. All right. So, next time we're going to play Pandemic. I'm so excited. I am too. I've never played it before. So, we're going to play that and see how that goes. And don't forget, we have a contest. We want to give you a prize. Help us out. Help us out. Like, Um, review, share. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.